A while back on Sunday Extra, we spoke to someone with the intriguing job description of cloud anthropologist. Well, at the risk of creating a bit of a series, our next guest is a glacial archaeologist. His name is Lars Pila and he works in Norway and he's the responsible editor of the website secretsoftheice.com, which is the home of glacial archaeology in the cloud. Lars, welcome to Sunday Extra. Yeah, hello. Thank you for inviting me. It's a great pleasure. Lars, uh, did you always dream from your earliest years of being a glacial archaeologist? And what is a glacial archaeologist? Well, I always wanted to be become an archaeologist. But, uh, you know, when, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as a glacial archaeologist because it hadn't been invented yet. That <laughs> only happened with, uh, with climate change and when the glaciers started melting. But yes. and a glacial archaeologist, that basically means that you go out and hike up to glaciers and survey along the edges of the melting ice to see if there's artifacts and animal bones melting out. And unfortunately, because of climate change, it really is a growing industry. Uh, your work, of course, in its finds goes back to, well, up to 6,000 years ago. But in another way, it goes back to 2006. Why was 2006 such a significant year for glacial archaeology? Well, it was a very significant year in, uh, in Norway because we had a very warm summer and a warm and extended autumn that year which led to a dramatic melt of high mountain ice. And with that ice, hundreds of artifacts melted out. We were all a bit uh, shell-shocked when that happened <laughs> because we had no idea that there were so many artifacts in the ice and we had no ideas where they would be. And uh, we didn't even have money to be starting a program and start collecting it. And we feared that if we didn't get the stuff collected quickly, then it would just be lost. Could you run us through some of the most exciting and unexpected finds that you've had during your time as a glacial archaeologist, Lars? Oh, this is difficult. This is like having to choose between your kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have, we've had a number of very, uh, very nice finds. We have one site which has been especially productive, and that is the Lenbrain Mountain Pass, which was a lost mountain pass. Nobody knew about it. And it melted out starting in 2011. And we found loads of stuff up there that is really interesting. For instance, we found a complete Iron Age tunic, which was about 1,700 years old, mm. which was lost up there. We don't know why it was left behind. We found a Viking Age mitten up there. And last year, we found the second ski in a ski pair, which is 1,300 years old, preserved with bindings and everything. So it's possible to make copies so you can uh, start skiing like they did just before the Viking Age. But my <laughs> favorite find is perhaps a not so very assuming find. It's a small arrow, 25 centimeters long only, and with a blunt end without an arrowhead. And uh, we believe that that arrow uh, was used as a toy sort of for practice shooting for a, mm -hmm. for a child because it was very important, of course, that you master the skill of a bow and arrow at, at the time because hunting was a very important part of the economy. And that was found at the top of the Lenbrain Pass. We got it just as it came out of the ice. And I keep thinking about the kid that lost this arrow 1,400 years ago and probably thought that it was lost forever and then it was preserved by the ice. 
That's amazing to contemplate. Uh, Lars, mm. uh, with climate change intensifying, how often are new sites found? And then what happens when there is a suspected new site found? We have very good ground data in our county. So that uh, means that we have uh, exact uh, maps of where the ice uh, is in, in the high mountains. So normally we have a couple of site, new sites that we try to check out each year where we believe that there may be finds. This is what we call exploratory surveys. We use the terrain models, digital terrain models to see where the ice is. And then, of course, we also use local information from local informants who know the mountains really well. And once we found a site where we need to do a lot more field work, we will set out with a, with a base camp and do systematic surveys around the ice. Some of these areas, they cover hundreds of thousands of square meters, so they can be quite large. The largest site, Lenbrain, has more than 1,000 finds. On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with glacial archaeologist Lars Piller in Norway. Lars, what is involved in extracting an object from the ice and how much does it differ from object to object? Normally, we don't really do much uh, sort of excavation because the excavation part, getting the ice away from the, the artifacts, that is done, done by, by climate nature. change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that, that's basically, it happens that maybe one end of the artifacts is still stuck in the ice. That happens. And then we will just melt it out using lukewarm water. That happened with a ski that we extracted last year that was still stuck in the ice, only the front stuck out. But uh, normally that's not necessary. What we do is that we survey very closely because it's not like a field in the lowlands. It's rough, scree and bedrock and difficult terrain. So we walk very closely as surveyors to be certain that we see all the objects that are there. And then we measure them very precisely using a, a precise GPS system. So that's sort of the, the basic job we do. And then, of course, they need to be packaged really well because it's not like you take them into your, your you know, field office and then you drive it to the museum in a car. It has to go down by a pack horse. So it needs to be yeah. really uh, well packed. And also the preservation of the artifacts that depends a lot on the local environment. You can find artifacts far away from the ice, let's say up to 100 meters. But those artifacts are not well preserved. They may still have, let's say, a preserved arrow shaft, but the fletching and the sinew and, and the pitch and tar that was used for gluing it to the wood, they will all be long gone. But when you get close to the ice, and especially in years where you get the exposure of ancient ice there, then you have a much better chance of finding beautifully well-preserved artifacts coming out of the ice, which, in fact, they look like they were lost last year because mm. they've been in a big prehistoric deep freezer. Lars, from reading your website, secretsoftheice.com, I know that the holy grail of glacial archaeology is finding an ice mummy, human remains that have been preserved in and by the ice. It's not just any old corpse caught in the ice, mind you. What does it take to be an ice mummy and how rare is it? Well, uh, I should say there, there are quite a number of, um, of instances of human remains coming out of glacial ice. But normally these are quite recent, like mountaineers that uh, fell into a crevasse in the ice. And this is because normal glaciers, they move. 
they renew the ice in the glaciers. So stuff that's lost in the ice glaciers will be sort of moved down with the ice and dumped at the front of the glacier. So you can't have old finds in, in a glacier. What you need is ice that does not move. That's the first thing. These are what we call ice patches, but you can also find non-moving ice along the tops and sides of glaciers. So it, there are a couple of places. So non-moving ice is the first thing. And next thing is that when somebody then dies up there, they need to die on the unmoving ice. So that cuts down the number of corpses that you, mm. you will be able to find. And then they need to have died without relatives going up and, and searching for them. If they were sort of lost on the way home from the summer farm, then obviously people would be searching for them. And, you know, with scavenger birds up there, it's easy to find where there is a corpse. You can just follow the birds. So that's another thing. And they should not be recovered. And this uh, third thing is that they need to stay on the surface for a bit for the body to freeze dry, sort of a natural mummification. If it goes straight into the ice, the sort of body sort of breaks down itself. So you can see it's a really narrow window for mm -hmm. a, a corpse to be preserved by the ice. And at the moment, the re only really good ice mummy we have is Ötzi. But I'm sure there should be a chance that other mummies could appear as well. Lars, uh, how close do you feel you've come to finding an ice mummy yourself? I think the closest we have come yet is up at the, at the Lenbrain Pass. Because this was obviously a place where a lot of people went through not only locals, but also long-distance travelers. And the fact that you have a complete tunic up there, it doesn't really make much sense that people will forget their tunic if they had a rest up there. We think that there's a bigger chance that somebody was dying of hypothermia up there. They were freezing to death. It's commonly known that when people are nearly dying of, of, of the cold, they suddenly become very warm and start to undress. And that could be the reason that the tunic is left up there. But we haven't found a body there, but there's still quite a lot of ice there. So maybe the owner is inside the ice there. <laughs> Lars, I was reading on your website that there may be a future involved in actually doing archaeology on the ice itself and uncovering the biological material that can be found within the ice. Is that a part of your work now or is that something that might happen in the future? Yeah, there's a lot more interesting stuff up there than, than just the archaeology. There's a, a lot of animal bones, which you, from the good preservation, you can do ancient DNA on that and that is already happening. We have a dog skeleton that was found in the Lendbrain Pass which is having DNA done. And there's also DNA done on reindeer remains and on horse remains as well. But that's only part of it. There are insects uh, preserved in the ice. And perhaps the most important part is there's a lot of climate information in this ice. You know, the problem is that when you do climate studies today, going really far back in time, you need to go to the really large ice caps like Greenland and uh, Antarctica because it was believed that there was no old ice preserved in the sort of same way in other places. But uh, studies show now that there's a lot of old ice preserved inside these non-moving ice masses in the high mountains, both in Norway and in the Alps and presumably many other places. So this is a new climate archive. But the problem is that 
there's not really much work going on ice coring in these ice masses before they melt away. There's some work going on in the Alps, and we've done a little in Norway, there's a little bit in the States, but obviously there's a lot of ice there, which is just disappearing with all the information that it has. So this is something that we also need to address. And another thing that's important to address, I think, is that normally when you do archeology, span you do this because some area is going to be developed like for housing or a new road or whatever. This is not happening in the high mountains. So these sites don't find themselves. For instance, I have a colleague who works in Mongolia. He's in the field now. And they are working in really remote mountain regions. And nobody had an idea that there would be finds there. But there are finds there. But they will not be discovered unless you go out with targeted surveys trying to find them. And if you don't do that, they will just be lost. Well, it's absolutely fascinating and inspiring work. Uh, Lars Puehler, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra all about that work. Yeah, my pleasure. And we wish you the best of luck in finding an ice mummy one day. Yeah, let's hope for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's Lars Puehler, who is a glacier archaeologist in Norway and the editor of the website secretsoftheice.com. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.